So we have the incredible So just a quick review of the daf. So first of all, we established a couple of important points. Number one, we established that halacha la There, of course, is an ongoing machlokus in Beshama and Beshela regarding Saras Habas, the co-wife or co-wife of an erva in general, about her yibum obligation. Beshilal saying she is exempt, and Beshamai saying she is obligated. The gemara on the top of Tazayin establishes that not only did Beshamai pass in this way. But Beishamai actually acted this way as well and held that Halach Tsaras Habas is, or Tsaras Erba, is Chayebes in Yibum slash Chalitza. We then got into the incredible story of Rabbi Dosa ben Horkunus and how the three Rabbanim, Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Laza ben Azariah, and Rabbi Akiva, went to confront him regarding what they thought what his, was his position in uh, support of Beishamai. It turns out that after further clarification, it was not Rabbi Dosa ben Horkunus, but rather his brother, Yonasan ben Horkunus, who was the outspoken was the outspoken supporter of Beishamai. We learned a variety of different lessons from this episode. Number one, the ability to resolve conflict through direct engagement. Sometimes we hear what people say, or we assume we understand what people say, but no better way to avoid machlokis than direct consultation, than direct discussion, than direct engagement. We saw again the incredible humility of Rabbi Akiva, that when confronted by Yonason, said, not only am I not a cattle herder, I'm not even a sheep herder. No matter how great you become in life, always try to maintain a proper sense of humility. Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus then went on to say, he gave Eidos, Sha'amaduchazu, on this particular grinding stone, Chagai sat and Chagai said three things. Number one, Tzara Sabas Asura, the Tzara of an Erva, ultimately is Asra and Yibom. Number two, that we don't, we, excuse me, that we go ahead, Ma'asun Ma'isra Ani Bishriyas, that we go ahead in the lands of Amon and Moab, were not consecrated again during Oli Baba. Remember again, the Gemara explained that Halacha Lamaisa, when the Jews came into Eretz Yisrael under Yoshua, they consecrated, or Moshe and then Yoshua, they consecrated certain lands. There were many of those lands that were not re-consecrated with the leadership of Ezra when they came back to build the second base Hamikdash. Chazal actually legislated, interestingly enough, that they not re-consecrate the lands of Ammon and Moab, and they did this for the benefit of the poor. The benefit of the poor, because this way, again, remember during a Shemitah year, all land is Hefker. Because it's Hefker, obviously there's no Maiser on it, there's no tithe for the poor, there's no Leket, Shechach, and Peah. As such, the poor are kind of relegated to the same exact status of everyone else. So they get no preferential, you know, charitable treatment. So the Chachamim goes there that when the second wave of Aliyah came under Ezra, that they should not go ahead and reconsecrate those lands, because by, uncon- by not con- reconsecrating those lands, the rabbis established that although there is a tithing obligation, mid-Rabbanon, on a rabbinic level, Ultimately, they will not be subject to Kedusha Shriyas, to Shemitah. So because of that, the lands of Ammon and Moab provide Leket, Shechecha, and Peah, Maiser, Ani, to be able to support the poor during the Shemitah year. And the last thing that, the last thing that Chagai the Navi said was, uh, to quote over here, Umekablin Gevrim Min Karduyin Umin Tarmudim. So the Gemara then goes that we accept converts, led again from the Karduyin and from the Tarmudim. So this then led to an entire machlokas about whether or not the, the genealogical, lineological fitness 
of the individuals of the Kardumim and the Tarmudim. So there's a little bit of a machlokas, exactly what's the name of the place, but what's the issue? The issue at hand, the Gemara gives two possibilities to the issue. Possibility number one was Avdei Shlomo, that the idea Shlomo HaMelech had many rich servants, and his rich servants utilized their wealth to be able to marry Jewish women. And this reflects the opinion that Ever Haba Basisro, if an Ever, if a slave fathers a child with a Jewish woman, that slave, that child, that offspring is considered to be a Mamzer. So apparently, again, it was Tarmud, the Tarmudim, and the and the Karduyim, where the where the offspring of these unions settled, and therefore they had the status of Mamzerim. The second opinion said that this wasn't the result of Abdi Shlomo, but rather again it was a result of the armies which invaded Yerushalayim. That as again the armies were setting their sights on the gold and the silver and the mikdash, the soldiers again twelve thousand soldiers, eighteen thousand soldiers, but some vast number of soldiers did not set their eyes on the money, but rather they set their eyes on the women, violating the women, and ultimately, again, producing a large number of mamzerim. Now, Rashi actually points out afterwards that halacha lamaisa, it seems to be that these individuals married these women. And again, Rashi says over here, yeah, Rashi says that halacha lamaisa, they married them, they violated these. Rashi says, kishabo kochavim So the, you know, the Lashon of the Gemara seems to indicate that they violated them. But then it also sounds like they married them as well. And once again, this is reflective of the idea that when a non-Jew fathers a child with a Jewish woman, that the child is a mamzer. Now, we don't pass in that way, but clearly the opinion of the Gemara does hold that way, which is why the residents of the Tarmudim and the Karduyim, you can't go ahead. Or I should say, Chagai said you can go ahead and be Makabal Gerim from them because they're not Mamzerim, they're legitimate non-Jews, but we seem to be seem to see some level of machlokis regarding their genealogical fitness. Wonderful. Right, we also had a couple of additional drushas during the Psukim. Uh, from the Psukim, I should say, Nar Hayisi Gamzakanti, Velora Isi Tzadik Nezov. So the Pashat Pshat, the simple Pshat is David Hamala talking about his life experiences. I have encountered much turmoil. Narayisi Gamzakanti, from my youth until my old age, it was a constant uphill battle. Velora Isi Tzadik Nezov, But I've always seen that Hashem always protects those and provides for those who establish a close relationship to him. Second interpretation, we explain Nar Hayisi Gamzakanti. You know, we start out life as a Nar. We start out life filled with hope, aspiration, goals, and dreams. Gamzakanti, then we become old. But Velora Isi Tzadik Nezab, if we maintain our connection, fidelity, and allegiance to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's that relationship which girds us and bolsters us with an incredible sense of emuna, which allows us to continue to dream, to hope, and to aspire to be more. All right, we'll stop over here for today. Wishing everyone a wonderful day.